is up, Hog fans? This is the House of Hog podcast. I'm your host, Connor Goodson, and I really appreciate you joining me as we have another jam-packed episode. It is Kent State Week. The Razorbacks will take on the Golden Flashes of Kent State on Saturday. Uh, what you can expect from this episode is that we will put a bow on Arkansas's Week 1 performance against Western Carolina and look ahead to Kent State and preview them in our Know Your Enemy segment. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. All right, don't really want to spend too much time on the Western Carolina game from this past weekend. I still have most of my same general thoughts as the post-game reaction podcast I did Saturday immediately following the game. Uh, You know, Arkansas won 56-13. They did what I really wanted them to do, which was win in very convincing fashion, come out, dominate. They were the better team by far, so there's not a lot that you can really say more about that game other than the fact that you really want to see these guys do the same thing this week and continue to improve and get better. That's one of the things that Sam Pittman really wanted to hammer home in his press conferences this week was that, you know, he he mentioned that it was kind of coach speak or whatever, but right now the team is just worried about themselves and worrying about what they can improve, what how they can get better and fix things that could be issues later down the road. And one of the big focus this week has been injuries as Arkansas will get some guys back that did not play last week. And they'll also lose their bell cow running back, Rocket Sanders, for this week and possibly next week. Sam Pittman announced on his radio show that Rocket will miss this week with swelling in his knee and could be out next week against BYU. Now, there's no set timetable or anything like that. Sam Pittman didn't want to divulge in that, and the university is very strict about kind of how they handle the injury reports and things of that nature. So it's kind of going to be a day-by-day, week-by-week thing following this week. So we don't know. He could be out for BYU next week, but all hope right now is that he will be back 100% for LSU. Um, Arkansas is also getting back guard Brady Latham, who returned to practice after missing last week, and linebacker Antonio Greer, the transfer from South Florida. He's a six-year senior he will be back and making his debut as a Razorback this weekend. News broke right before kickoff on Saturday that transfer cornerback Keon Stewart was arrested, but according to Sam Pittman, he is now back with the team and should be able to provide that secondary with some depth this week. We'll have to wait and see how much playing time he gets. Uh, Malik Chavis is another defensive back who's had a hand injury he's been battling, and he likely will not play either this week. Speaking of Kent State, let's get into it with our Know Your Enemy segment as we try to get to know the golden flashes of Kent State a little bit more. The first thing that I really noticed looking into this Kent State team and watching them last week against UCF in their season opener was they're not really good and they don't have a lot of experience. Now, first-year head coach Kenny Burns has taken over at Kent State and has a very big project ahead of him. He could very well be a very good coach. Looking around, reading stuff about him, he seems like a very great guy and a very good coach with a lot of potential, but this Kent State roster was just absolutely decimated by the transfer portal in the offseason. They lost a ton, a ton of playmakers on both sides of the ball, especially on offense, and when you look at their depth chart on offense, it's very evident that they're not very experienced. And that was evident last week when they got absolutely demolished by Gus Malzahn's UCF team, 
56 to 6. So I think Arkansas should be licking their chops with Kent State coming to town this weekend. Because if you look at both sides of the ball, Arkansas should be heavily favored in every aspect of the field. I mean, there is not one category that Arkansas should not have a massive advantage over Kent State in coming into this game on Saturday. Now, if we look at the offensive side of the ball, uh, offensive coordinator Matt Johnson is in his first year calling shots for the Golden Flashes offense. He was previously their running backs coach, and in his first game, the Flashes put up a measly 240 yards of total offense. Only 95 of that came on the ground and only 145 passing yards. And if you're keeping score at home, folks, that's not good at all. So Arkansas's defense should have a field day, an absolute field day with this Kent State offense. Now, much like their coaching staff, their offensive depth chart is very inexperienced as well. Quarterback Matt Alimo is a redshirt junior, first-time starter this season, went 12 of 31 for all 145 passing yards for the team. Didn't score a touchdown at all, but threw a pick. Their offensive line has five first-year starters, and they're also not that big. I was kind of blown away, honestly, that their uh, offensive line was actually below average. And I think they're like 6'5", 280, they averaged across the offensive line. So they're very small. They're smaller than what Western Carolina had last week up front. And that is just not... That's not a good recipe, especially when they're matched up against this extremely deep and extremely talented defensive line of Arkansas. And then you might be thinking that, well, at least they have some, maybe they have some speedsters, some playmakers in the passing game that they can get the ball to. Well, no. Only one receiver recorded a catch last week for them. He was uh, Luke Florier. He had two catches for 17 yards. Uh, tight end Justin Holmes had a few catches, but their passing game mostly consisted of getting it to the running backs and letting them kind of work in space. And Alimo was really just running around and kind of you know fighting for his life. It it was it, UCF's defense wasn't really running very complicated schemes either. It was just some basic vanilla stuff that was causing havoc on this Kent State offense and really. Just made him look very out of sorts, very confused. The communication wasn't that great either. And it was just a disastrous first outing for Kenny Burns, to say the least. And kind of looking at what Arkansas could do, this is a perfect game for them to be able to fix all of the mistakes that they had last week. The defensive line, for all you box score watchers, while they I thought that they played very good, and a lot of people will think that they played good, but the defensive line didn't really record that many stats. Now, they did have two sacks recorded, but you look at some of the guys that we'd been talking about in the offseason, and it was kind of like, okay, where's Trajan Jeffcoat? Where's Landon Jackson? Where's John Morgan? Where's some of these other guys? Torian Carter did have one of the sacks, but you're just kind of looking and it doesn't jump out off the page like you were kind of expecting, but they did play great. They got a lot of pressure on the three quarterbacks that Western Carolina was throwing at them, and they were able to you know, do their job and make things difficult without having to run blitzes and bring pressure aside from just the four down front, which very positive but you know that is something that you're kind of looking like okay well let's let's get these guys some stats to kind of back up their performance and actually have something to show for it and this is the perfect week for them to do that because this offensive line probably doesn't give as big of a challenge as what they went up against last week now i'm not saying that if 
Arkansas defensive line doesn't come out and record a bunch of stats, it's a failure. I mean, I'm sure all of these guys are perfectly happy not recording stats as long as Arkansas is successful. And if Arkansas can go 12-0 and and win a championship or play for a championship, I'm perfectly happy these guys not recording many stats either. But, you know, it's just always nice to look and see some of these guys rewarded for being able to do some do some good and positive things. Now, if the defensive line is able to wreak havoc, I mean, it's going to open things up and take a lot of pressure off of the secondary because, like I said, it's a very aggressive game plan from Matt Johnson and a very aggressive philosophy from Kenny Burns. They're going to take shots. Uh, Hudson Clark even talked about it watching film. This team's going to take shots deep, and if Arkansas's secondary isn't prepared and they're caught sleeping – it could cause some problems because we saw last week that there was a lot of issues with pass interference calls and the secondary was kind of sloppy just in that regard. Didn't look as precise, but it is week one. So you kind of expected that, but just saying this team is very aggressive. So if they are able to get some momentum going, you know, Arkansas needs to be on top of it in the secondary, but I would be lying if I said that I didn't trust Arkansas secondary to actually take care of business and, because it should be a very, very successful weekend for Travis Williams' defense. There's no reason that the defensive line can't have four or five sacks as a unit. There's no reason that the secondary shouldn't have a couple turnovers and shouldn't be able to hold Alimo to as good or worse of a completion rating than what he had against UCF because, I mean, Arkansas' defense has a lot more talent than UCF. So... I would definitely expect them to be able to show out once again and just kind of build upon what they did last week. Now, moving on to the other side of the ball, on the offensive side, Arkansas should also be able to have no issue whatsoever putting points on the board, running up total yardage, passing yardage, all of that should be sky high just as much or if not more than what they had against Western Carolina because this Kent State defense is pretty bad they allowed not only did they allow 56 points they also allowed 723 total yards of offense 389 of that was on the ground and what was something that we talked about Arkansas struggling with against Western Carolina establishing the run game and not being able to really provide holes for any of the running backs to really kind of make anything happen so One thing that Arkansas should be really, really excited about this weekend is the ability to kind of run wild on this Kent State defense. There should be no issues ironing out and establishing the run game. Even without Rocket Sanders playing this week, you've still got A.J. Green, Rashad DeBinion, Dominic Johnson, and Isaiah Augustov, who are all four more than capable and talented enough to really break out and kind of take a stranglehold over that RB2 position while Rocket's out. So expect even distribution between A.J. Green and Rashad DeBinion, and then I think Dominic Johnson might get a few more carries and be used a little bit more than he was last week. And Isaiah Augustov, extremely talented freshman, You could definitely see him have a much bigger role this week, and I would expect to see him a lot more. He had some really, really good runs and really just kind of dropped the hammer on a couple of linebackers. I think one possession, he had four carries for 20 yards, uh, just picked up two first downs back-to-back. 
very talented drive from him and very talented in garbage time from him. So I'm kind of excited to be able to see a little bit more of him this week. But how much they're able to really accomplish on the ground is going to be determined by how much the offensive line has improved with getting Brady Latham back and doing some shuffling and those tackles, those inexperienced tackles that we've talked about. Patrick Kudis, Devin Manuel, and Andrew Shambly. All three of those guys have Saturday game day experience now. So um, definitely left a lot to be desired last week. But like we've said, those guys are inexperienced. They've kind of seen how everything goes. They've seen what, what they expect. They've had a week of practice to kind of correct some of those issues. I was very, very happy to see that those guys didn't get any procedural penalties. No dead ball fouls, no false starts, nothing like that. That was very good. Very good sign from those guys that they didn't have any of that because usually with teams you see a lot, a lot of those issues in week one. So it was pretty good sign, I think, uh, that we didn't see a ton of – we didn't see any of that from those offensive linemen. So very good on their part, but definitely just had some things to clean up. And, I mean, really run blocking is all just putting your hat on the person in front of you and just blocking them, just hitting another – hitting the guy lined up in front of you and trying to move them. And Arkansas is an SEC-level school. These guys are SEC-level talents. As I mentioned earlier, Kent State up front, the same is true about their defensive line as it is their offensive line. They're undersized. They're not as big as they're not as big as what Western Carolina was, and they're definitely not as big as what these guys are going up against in practice with our Arkansas's defensive line. So I think that this is the week that the offensive line kind of gets things really straightened out and hopefully puts everything together to where these running backs that are trying to get experience have the holes to be able to move. They have the room to be able to move and make things happen. And I believe that it's the perfect storm for that, that stuff happening. Now in the passing game, that's where I'm very interested to see kind of what happens because Arkansas wasn't able to establish the run at all last week, but it didn't matter because I mean, Arkansas looked fantastic. Now, KJ did miss a couple of touch throws, which were possibly touch, two more touchdowns that he could have had if he would have connected that I'm sure he wanted back, and I'm sure that Danny Nuss pointed out on film. But all in all, you could not be more happy and pleased with what you saw from Arkansas's passing game. Isaac Tesla, Andrew Armstrong, even Luke Hawes, he didn't really get targeted after his initial catch at the very – I mean, first play from scrimmage is a pass to Luke Hawes for, I think, like 19 yards or something like that. And we didn't really see much of him the rest of the game, but props to Danny Nuss and that Arkansas offense because they really came out and showed off what fans were kind of waiting to see, you know, and they did it early on. early just Right from the get-go, they – scored in two plays and they're both pass plays with the screen to Jaden Wilson for 65 yards and a touchdown talk about a way to set a tone on a season as a new offensive coordinator people questioning what you can kind of bring to the team you know you've already had a stint here you're it it didn't end well you're getting questions like is, is he the right guy is he the right hire and you just come out and within two plays you've did exactly what you did your first stint you scored on a little bubble screen so I was very excited to see that, and I mean, really this week, the only thing that I want to see more from the passing game is KJ clean up his touch throws, keep continue to use the middle of the field, 
and maybe spread her spread her around some more. See what we can do. You know, Isaiah Satania had I think only just two targets. He caught both of them, but I saw that they were also trying to use him in the jet sweep, the run, kind of get him involved, get get the ball into his hands, because like I said in that first episode, Isaiah Satania he is he's got game changing speed. So you've got to get a guy like him the ball to be able to make plays. And so I'd like to see that definitely get Luke Hawes some, some more touches, uh, more targets at least. Um, maybe even see what Varquez Gums can do because I know Sam Pittman had kind of singled him out talking about why he didn't get much playing time. And the reason for that was because he really doesn't have a complete grasp of the offense, but he's getting there. So I think that the staff is starting to trust him a little bit more, even through this one week of practice. So Definitely, we should be able to see him and see some of these other guys get involved and get targeted. Uh, Tyrone Broden, the 6'7 guy, had a beautiful tackle on special teams on a punt. He was the first guy there. And, you, you know, you don't see receivers making hits and being able to stop a return man dead in their tracks. Usually receivers, I mean, I played one in high school. Wasn't very great at it, but I played it, and I can tell you, Receivers don't like to hit people. They don't like to get hit, but they don't. They also don't like to hit as much. And to Tyrone Broden's credit, I mean, it didn't look pretty, but it got the job done, and he was the first one there. Great on him. That's what he's got to do. You know, until he gets the opportunities on offense, show out on special teams, he did it. So I see, you know, let the six seven man get some get some targets this week. And another guy that I mentioned in the first podcast was Davion Dozier. Super high on him. Super excited to see that he get in his first game, he gets targeted by Jacoby Criswell and catches a touchdown pass as a true freshman. Very, very pleased with what I saw from him. And I just mentioned Jacoby Criswell, but we got to see him a little bit. And man, I mentioned it in our post-game reaction pod, but Jacoby Criswell, beautiful ball he throws. But Jacoby Criswell, super impressed with the way he's able to sit in the pocket, remain cool, calm, and collected and deliver strikes the receiver just he throws such a beautiful ball while kj is the guy i'm very excited to see what Jacoby Criswell can do when he's given the full reins because we haven't seen it yet in his college career he's been backups everywhere he's been but he's the kind of guy that just strikes me as someone who's experienced ton of college football not a, not as a starter not with all that pressure on him but he's played a lot he's been around you know mac brown's unc teams He's been behind two very great quarterbacks, and that kind of experience really showed up. I know it was a very short stint. He only got most of the fourth quarter to play, but I mean, he just looked like a guy. For one, it was night and day difference than what we had last season with uh, the backup situation. Chriswell, I will be very excited to see what he can do as a starter. Definitely looking ahead, getting way ahead of myself, but in just that short amount of time that he played last week, it's crazy how excited it got me for seeing him in a larger role once KJ does decide to move on. But that's later on down the road. While I expect to see a lot of Jacoby Criswell in the second half of this Saturday's game, uh, KJ and the offense, primarily the starters, have a lot of things they need to iron out before BYU comes to town the following week and the meat of the schedule really starts to pick up. As far as the script and kind of how I expect it to play out, it's very similar to last week, really. Get the offense going early and often. Kind of jump out to a big lead. You should have no issues doing that if you want to. 
you should have no issues building a huge lead and kind of pulling away and putting this game away early. But you've also got to really establish the running game and make sure that you're, everything's kind of straightened up on that offensive line. Because the last thing that you want to do is go through two games where your opponents are very inferior. You clearly have a massive ta- talent advantage and you're still struggling to establish the run. As an SEC team, you should not be struggling to set up the run and get things going on the ground against Western Carolina and Kent State, not in 2023. So make it a point to get those things rolling early and often. Continue to limit penalties. Like I mentioned earlier, the offensive line did a great job of not having any procedural issues or anything like that. No false starts, no alignment issues. No illegal formations. Penalty-wise, it was very clean first week. You couldn't ask for anything more. Just keep that going. On the other side of the ball, defensive line needs to continue to get pressure on the quarterback and really have the results to show for it. They didn't get a great push, as I alluded to earlier. They didn't get a great push, and they didn't have a lot of stats to kind of show for it. But they did play well, all things considered, and they were able to get back there and create chaos and let the secondary kind of take over from that point. You just have to be a little bit better, and really they need to flash and show us something and show us what we've all kind of were waiting to see last week and just really have that depth shine. And if that does that, it opens up for the secondary to have another strong showing and continue to add to that takeaway total. The secondary really pleased with them from week one and you just have to see a lot more of that a lot more polished continue to limit mistakes limit the penalties there was a lot of you know holding a lot of back and forth I think there was like two or three pass interferences that could have been called but weren't so you've got to just really clean that up and make sure that you're not putting yourself in a bad position to have a very detrimental penalty called on you because the last thing you can do with these teams is let them hang around and continue to make mistakes to make them think that they have a chance that's not the most effective way to go about these games is to let this team hang around because they don't have a lot of confidence coming in you shouldn't let them get have any more confidence coming out the final thing and probably the most important considering what all the rumors and the big storylines were this this week no major injuries you cannot afford to have someone to lose someone, I mean, it is football. People are going to get hurt. You can't really skirt around that fact, but you escaped the turf monster at War Memorial Stadium last week. You need to do that again in your home field. I don't expect that the field will be an issue like it was at War Memorial, but you never know. And really the only way Arkansas loses this, even if they win on the scoreboard, is that they have a major injury to some key guys that they're going to lose for a while, and it bleeds into SEC play, that you go into SEC play and you don't have as many playmakers. Arkansas does have depth, but you just really can't afford to do that when you're trying to really have a bounce-back special season that sees you winning eight, nine games. It's not a great formula, and that's really the only way you can – walk away not feeling good about this week because I mean Rocket's going to come back you'll get some more depth in the secondary hopefully later down the road but you've just got to really you just really got to hope that nothing happens you've also got to do all of that and really come out with another convincing win there again kind of what I was saying against Western Carolina this is an important year for Sam Pittman last week perfect did everything great you've got to do it again theoretically it's a step up and on paper, it's a step up in competition, but it's really not when you look into it because Kent State is 
even with Western Carolina when it comes to talent level and how good they are. I mean, if they played straight up, I don't know who would win. I don't know that Kent State would actually win at all against Western Carolina. So when you're playing teams of that caliber, no reason as an SEC school that you should let them hang around and have to worry at all. Put them away early, put them away often, build a huge lead, goes to the finish, get your young guys a lot of experience, get the backup some experience, and that's what you got to do. And that's what I expect to see from Arkansas on Saturday. And that'll do it for our Kent State Week preview. Hopefully you got a little bit of something out of it. As I kind of said, this is basically the same script as last week. You've just got to go out and execute it again, similar to how you did last week. Get out to a fast start and really just cruise. So I don't expect any challenges for Arkansas, but it is college football, so you never know. I appreciate everyone for making it this far. I'm very excited about what's to come. I love doing this. I can't wait to do more for you. The next show we'll have is immediately following the end of Arkansas's game against Kent State this Saturday. We'll do the live post-game reaction show once again. You can catch that on video and audio will be uploaded shortly after we get done with that. And then we'll probably have, as far as next week, I really like to keep these about about this length if I can. I think that this is a good length for the podcast, especially for a preview. I know things are kind of pretty short with Kent State and Western Carolina, and I know we might go a little bit longer down the road. But just if you want to leave some feedback on how you enjoy these shows, what length, if you want it to be longer, if you want it to be even shorter, if you're happy with the length, uh, we're always looking for feedback here, so I greatly appreciate that. And I really appreciate everyone listening. I uh, couldn't do it without you guys, so appreciate y'all. So until next time, my name is Connor Goodson, and you have been listening to the House of Hog podcast. Peace.